Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. Welcome to the Midwest Filmmates Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Tim. I'm Willie. Today we're going to talk about a bunch of different topics, including the results of our fall 2015 movie draft. We're also going to talk about the passing of David Bowie, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of Golden Globes talk, and then finally review Alex Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu's The Revenant. But before we get to all that, feedback at MidwestFilmmates.com is where you can write to us. Let us know what you think of the show or the things that we talk about. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at MFN Podcast. We're on Facebook, Vine, and iTunes, and all those good things. Search for Midwest Film There's Podcast there. And then Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com is where you can shop, and part of the money that you spend will come back to us, and we can make our show and network even better. Mm-hmm. So uh, first on the docket here, fall movie draft. Tim's uh, Tim's baby here. Let's talk about how the results how the results <laughs> fell. So I, I calculated both the cumulative and the average. Well. It turned out <laughs> Frankenstein's monster situation. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out to not matter cumulative or average. But we can start with uh, in final place would be Tim with an yeah. average of sixty six on the run. I should remind people this is the Rotten Tomato score of four different movies. You never know. I mean, a couple years down the road, we could reevaluate some of these movies oh i mean and the tomato score will probably go up potentially okay. potentially yeah. Yeah. so don't this is um, a never-ending draft so tim had black mass which had a 75 mocking j2 which had a 70 good dinosaur had a 76 76 <laughs> and uh Whoa. in the heart of the sea had a 43 with an average of 66 across all four so uh tim came in fourth place uh in third place you've got one me with Spectre, which had a 64, Crimson Peak had a 69, Peanuts had an 86, and The Hateful Eight had a 74, with an average of 73.25. Uh, third place, we've got Nick, who had Steve Jobs at an 85, Goosebumps at a 73, Star Wars at a 93, and The Revenant at an 81, with an average of 83. And then finally, the winner, Willie, with The Martian at 93, Bridge of Spies at 91, Trumbo at 70, and Creed with 93. At an average of 86.75. So, Willie, congratulations. I've been so humble about this whole thing. You have. You've kept pretty quiet about it. Yeah, yeah, So sure. this is your moment to not be humble anymore. <laughs> I have not been humble at all about this. I've been smirking <laughs> at all of you the whole time. No, um, I'm very happy I'll to bring be... your trophy. Oh, you I have got a trophy me. for you. Oh, my God. I'm so yeah. excited. This is it a PBR trophy? No, it's. I brought home the trophy. Uh, I've talked about it on the podcast, that trophy where I lied in elementary school when I said I, re- I read 100 books. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave me the trophy. <laughs> I brought that one. Beautiful. A beautiful uh, award. So I will, I will adorn the trophy with something this year. Okay. And then next we year. We add to it. Each person will add to okay. the trophy. Uh, we had two listeners write in as well. Uh, friend of the show, Youp, the official scorekeeper. Had Black Mass, which had 75, Steve J, Steve Jobs with an 85, Star <laughs> War with 93, and the McAdams with 93. That's The Martian. Uh, it's an average of 86.5. <laughs> Star War. So Yoop only lost to Willie by a quarter of a point. Yoop, you. I, I did not realize that you were nipping at my heels like this. You yeah. Scaring me. Yeah. And then finally, uh, Stephen, Stephen C., friend of Tim. Friend Long. of the show and friend of Tim. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
He had Creed at a 93, Mockingjay 2 at a 70, Black Mass at a 75, and The Martian at 93 for an average of 82.75. So he would have lost to Nick by 7.75. Yes. Yeah, so he would have been in third place. Uh, but I don't know, fourth, fourth place, yep. if we included Yoop. Anyway, congratulations to those who uh, to to those who those who won. Yeah. So Willie, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. The Thank rest you of us tried Hon- Honorable next job year. by Yoop also. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, that's that's pretty valiant. Too close for comfort, Yoop. Yeah. <laughs> we we might have to include him in the actual draft next year. Yeah. He did so well. I think maybe we should. Maybe he won his place in in, in the draft. So. Yeah. You pull us to that because you're the only guy who's going to remember. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we woke up to some sad news yesterday. Uh, David Bowie passed away on the 10th uh, at the age of 69. Uh, he succumbed to cancer. And this is a couple days after his 69th birthday and his final album release, which uh, everybody kind of... Everybody who knew him closely kind of said that this was kind of his parting gift to his fans, uh, to the world, really. But uh, David Bowie is also a pretty, I don't know if the word's prolific, but he's he's been in quite a few movies that I know a lot of us really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I think we wanted to talk about that a little bit, too. Uh, does anybody want to start anyway? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to talk about Labyrinth. Yeah. Right out of the gate. Um Labyrinth is a wonderful film. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, but I'll mention it again. Um, one of the first movies that I was allowed to select for myself. Uh, yeah. On the Suncoast video uh, uh, movie racks. Fantastic film. Love it. Bowie's awesome. It was actually kind of my introduction to David Bowie because I had heard a couple of the songs that my dad would, would play, you know, but I didn't really know who he was and until I saw that. So I, for a long time, I just called him Jareth because <laughs> that's what he was to me. Um, and then I saw Labyrinth later on in life. And, you know, the Bowie bulge, of course, is something that's oh, very yeah. prolific in its own right. Um, but uh, no, I, I anything that I saw him in movie wise, I was always very impressed by how he could walk into a movie, whether it was a cameo, which I'm sure we'll be talking about, or in a, like a starring role like labyrinth and i would never i would never go oh that's distracting there's david bowie like i would I, he would just seamlessly just he'd be in there um his role in the prestige i think would be the biggest example of that where yeah. it could have been really distracting like what but it never was i was i just like oh, that's tesla okay like i just bought it instantly the so. perfect casting choice for tesla yeah yeah really good stuff so no uh david bowie awesome i think nick at one point you fan casted david bowie as a nightcrawler did you not he would have been Young good David back Bowie in the day. Nightcrawler, yeah. Which I always thought was awesome because, yeah, he kind of looks like Nightcrawler. I casted so. him as a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> casted Bowie. Yeah. So, no, uh, big fan, uh, both musically and his appearances in films. So, he will be missed. I think that goes without saying. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? David Bowie thoughts? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a pretty big longtime fan of Bowie, and he's uh, it's a it's a pretty huge loss for sure for um, I guess art at large, but also, you know, obviously music and, and film as well. I'm sure he had other stuff that he would have wanted to do. Like you had mentioned, uh, there was the talks of getting him involved in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 somewhere. Yeah. And I would think he would have probably been really down for that. It, uh, that supposedly that James Gunn said he really wanted to do it, but... Uh, yeah, that would have been really cool. Uh, yeah, he's uh, something else. I mean, just the the... 
the collection of of work that you left behind is just staggering and everybody was you know it was kind of a, almost a tired thing by the end of the day yesterday everybody was posting like you know pictures and and youtube links to like their favorite songs and i was thinking about it all day and i was like if i had to pick one song to like offer up to be like this is how i feel about david bowie i, I literally couldn't do it i didn't settle on anything because yeah. it's the list of of songs that he has that you know mean a lot and have uh have and entertain me through the years is just too long and uh and so varied too yeah and uh i did buy his new album and it's good it's good and That's it's weirdly modern and and just cool to listen to i mean it's i think everyone kind of thought around like the mid-2000s like oh he's probably pretty much done making music for probably forever because he didn't do anything for like 10 years. And then he really kind of surprise dropped the last day two years ago, three years ago now, I guess. And uh, everyone was like, oh, shit, he still got he still got it. Mm-hmm. That was good. And then the new one is really good considering the state he was in while he was recording it. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, but he, yeah, just what a unique personality that won't ever be replicated. And uh, his listening to his music is, <clears throat> it's not really like listening to to songs generally. I mean, he's got some songs that are just songs you listen to it and you're like, oh, that's just fun. I'm having a good time. Like, let's, there's no deeper meaning to Let's Dance, but it's a good song. But he's got so many that are more like listening to to stories. When you're mm-hmm. when you're listening to it, you don't feel like you're listening to music. You think you're listening to to like a, a real a real tale, something with depth. It has a beginning and a middle and an end, and is really interesting. And uh, I mean, I've listened to like you posted "Strangers When We Meet," which what a song is that you introduced me to. Such a favorite of mine, and he and it's such a interesting song, and it works on so many levels, and it can be interpreted so many ways, and it feels like a little tale is told right there in like four minutes. Absolutely, and it's uh, you know. It's just too bad. I won't get any more. So he's, uh, you know, he went out in in a really great way, though. I think a pretty, almost funny. Like it's it's gonna be like we'll laugh about it eventually. <clears throat> like it, what a troll! <laughs> like he just doesn't. Obviously, it's great that he was very like private, and I'm and that his life, private life was generally always that way in his whole life. But it's pretty, it's very Bowie to like create your whole final piece of art around the fact that you're dying and what you want to leave the world with and then not tell anybody it's happening or what the album's about because some i remember reading some reviewers uh were saying like they listened to the album and they and they loved it or whatever and they the one in particular and i don't remember who it was that that said it but they said we were so happy to see him back that we didn't notice he was saying goodbye and like it's now that he is is passed and everybody that was close to him is saying, yeah, this is what the album meant to him. This is what he wanted it to be. And the music video is like clearly him saying like, I'm dying. This is me dying. Here is my last gift, basically. Um, and and nobody nobody noticed when they were listening to yeah. the album reviewing it. Like, man, these lyrics are great. And the then life and death. And uh, these are great themes that Bowie's always dabbled in. And then like two days, 48 hours later, you know, he's gone. It's... Uh, part of the show i think he would have he def- obviously wanted it no other way it's pretty uh yeah he's looking down from somewhere going man the look on their faces got him <laughs> yeah. got him got him <laughs> what a what a fine what a bookend yeah just yeah. a showman to the very end so it's a uh, pretty incredible feat something that will definitely be talked about for a long time yeah uh, all the stories on the internet about him from people who were in concerts to his friend like friends like somebody like brian eno who who kind of talked about how with his last email with bowie he kind of looks back at it now and realized that he said goodbye but it, like everybody's got a david bowie story that is fantastic so go go and check those out for sure 
Um, the only other thing, I don't know if we'll talk about this on Game Nerds at all, but David Bowie has had his mm-hmm. hand in some video game stuff as well. But he came out with the, there's a Dreamcast game called Omicron, the Nomad Soul, which I don't think did particularly well or was great. But he <laughs> he had a story influence on it, and he did the soundtrack, and he voiced two characters in it. His likeness is in it. And yeah. his wife. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. And then on top of that, um, as people have looked back at the Metal Gear Solid series, he's had Kojima's very clearly inspired by, by David Bowie. Major Tom uh, being Major Zero's mm-hmm. nickname and all kind of, and like the names of the Diamond Dogs is mm-hmm. the name of the group and and uh, you know the there's a there's a cover of the man who sold the world in, in Metal Gear Solid Five as well so it's you know he it's kind of awesome how many different things he was willing to just say yeah I'll give that a try or I'm open to that or you know in terms of movies games music everything that he did. Um, it sucks to see him go. When somebody but, finally compiles all of that stuff, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Like all. There's, of course, his work as Chris P. Bacon, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Our theoretical, because Chris P. Bacon is the name of the person who supposedly scored sor- Source Code, his uh, Dun- Duncan Jones's um, film, his sophomore, uh, sophomore effort. And, uh, you know, Chris P. Bacon, it's got to be David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, we were all like, this guy's not real. It's David Bowie secretly. And it was a good score, too. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, so we will miss you, David Bowie. Um, Zoola- Did anybody bring up Zoolander? No, yeah. Zoolander. Uh, go, um, just real quick, go watch The Hunger, because I watched it yeah. for the first time, maybe ever start to finish. I was telling him, uh, The Hunger is a movie you watch when you're younger, on like Cinemax late at night, and then you hear your parents move around upstairs, and you go, "Gotta turn it for a minute." Yeah, <laughs> like back to wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> I was just watching Letterman, so um, <laughs> I watched it last night, maybe for the first time ever, start to finish. Yeah, and it's Tony Scott's first movie, and it it might be his best movie. I watched it last night, and I was kind of I went, "Wow, I think this deserves a reevaluation at some point because it came out in the '80s with like Lost Boys and the um, Near Dark mm-hmm. and Fright Night." And it, interesting decade for vampire movies. And this one is the most adult out of all of those. I mean, it's incredibly steamy. And, um, I watched it last night and I was kind of, I was kind of blown away by how good it is. And he's, he's very good in it. He plays a, a major role. Yeah. So. All right. Pouring out for David Bowie. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to touch on. Oh, there's two things. Number one. Oh yeah. Willie. Yeah. We had another death. Um, not as prolific, maybe, as David Bowie, but Angus Scrim has passed oh, yeah. away. Angus Scrim from yeah. Phantasm, yeah. Bummer. Yep. I wasn't sure if Nick knew, so I wanted to keep this part of it. I wanted to see a reaction to this <laughs> yeah, news. Yeah, I, I think I scrolled past it, and it was like, Ang- I saw somebody, I saw like two people on Friends with on Facebook post like pictures of Angus Scrim, and I thought, that's weird. I wonder <laughs> if he'd passed away too, but I was too consumed with, mm-hmm. with Bowie at the yeah. time that yeah. I didn't... Uh, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, tall big man. fan of the tall man. Yeah. yeah. So who's he? Eighty nine. Yeah, he lived a long life. I mean, yeah. no one you don't need to be sad for Angus. He lived a what seemed to be like a like a good long. He seemed like he was a really nice guy. Apparently, he's just like one of the most delightful that's men. A, yeah. Yeah. That's so, all I've heard. Yeah. Okay, nothing so. but amazing things about. Didn't the guy, he just so. make it in Don Coscarelli's movie like a couple years ago? Or he was in something really recently. There, right? there's they are or were shooting a, a new Phantasm. And he was in it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's <laughs> awesome. So. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be, I guess, his final role as as the tall man when it and comes Abrams out. And Abrams is uh, just related. He's doing like a 4K restoration of, of the, the original. original yeah, J.J. Abrams is doing this. <laughs> so we're like in a wow. phantasm 
Renaissance, as we should be. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So we can actually yeah. buy these DVDs. These things are cyclical. <laughs> it only makes sense. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Angus Scrim also very, very sad to hear. But I wish Bowie had shot a cameo for Zoolander too. It doesn't seem likely. It seems like they would have said something by now, or we would have heard about it. Yeah, you never know. know. If he sneaks into the movie, though, I will scream a little bit. That'd you never know. <laughs> His cameo in Zoolander one is. Oh, it's I, I I watched Zoolander with gojo the other day and it was the first time he's ever seen it and he he's like he's heard the quotes and he know and he was like all right i'll finally see what this is all about he was laughing so hard throughout i mean like belly laughing throughout the whole movie and i was like oh my god this is funny and the bowie cameo got him got him pretty good he was like oh it's awesome yeah it is beautiful yeah it's great and he plays it so straight he's <laughs> bad he's like the best actor in the movie he really it's so good oh man the judge of the walk-off yep oh yeah all right. Um, the Golden Globes happened really quick. Uh, I don't think there's anything to like. We could talk real quick if there are any awards that people are particularly happy about. I'm happy Neo got best score because God damn that score is so good. Good job, Neo. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Quentin's speech was a little interesting, but it was very Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. So <laughs> it was very much in line with what, he, what I would expect. Yeah, I, was gonna say, even I wanted a... the cartoon long cane to come out of the stage <laughs> and grab him on the neck and yank him off the stage. Even as a defender. Of when he talks, I sometimes go stop. <laughs> just, just take yeah, it down. yeah. Like, take I can I can defend to a certain extent, maybe, but yeah. Eventually, I think every time he he does like a great work or produces something really amazing, he immediately reminds people of why they don't want to be around him. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, that's that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Too bad cool. he was not there to accept. Yeah. That would have been really cool. I have no idea what he looks like, honestly. <laughs> I assume he's a Does small. Anyone? I'm assuming he's a small, <laughs> adorable. He's a computer. <laughs> it's Arnim Zola. He, he freezes he's himself free. in between. <laughs> he's, a, he's a remnant of the Axis powers who <laughs> became a composer. Quentin Tarantino went into some basement and walked up to this computer and said, "Will you please score this? <laughs> Activate Neo. See <laughs> <laughs> oh. main screen Neo backslash subroutine Neo begins." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the score just floats out of the computer. <laughs> Prints on in that old paper where you have to tear the sides off. Yeah. Oh my god. Um Stallone. So yeah. happy. I, I honestly was not I didn't I didn't think it was gonna happen. I thought it was I didn't think it was gonna happen. The Oscar's the real test. Stallone, but, Stallone was up for, for best supporting actor in Creed as Rocky. Yes. And I think his biggest competition, at least from what I could see, would be uh, Idris in Beast of Donation. Mm. Um, what were the other three for the Globes? You, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't remember. I, I know somebody for Bridge of Spies was on there. Yeah, there was a Bridge of Spies really, nomination. Yeah. Um, I, can't, I don't... Idris is so weird to me as a supporting actor because I never saw him as that. He seems more like the lead, but... Yeah. I, I mean, he's not, but it just, it's so weird. Well, he's the adult figure of that movie, right. so you would automatically kind of... Right. Michael Shannon was up for 99 Homes, Idris Elba for Beast of No Nation, Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies, and Paul Dano for Love and Mercy. Okay. Mm. Yeah, oh yeah, Ghost Alone. Yeah, sure. because, uh, you know, we've talked about this. I think it's the, it's the last time Stallone's going to be nominated for a major. I never thought he would be again, so this is great. And uh, <laughs> For acting, let alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's never been nominated for acting, has he? I don't even think, was he for Rocky? I don't, I don't think, think so. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm happy for him. I, I really am. Like, he he looked shocked. Yeah. He did not see that coming. And yeah, I know some people are giving him crap because he didn't thank Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan, but... Sometimes you for, unfortunately you forget people even if they should be mentioned. He did run back, out. and apparently he came back out during commercial break and thanked them because he had realized. Yeah, I saw the look on his face. I remember right at that moment I was like, he didn't thank Ryan Coogler, and Kim said, "Who? Who's that?" And I'm like, "The director." And she goes, 
oh, and then like they're like, we'll be back. And she's like, wait, wait, he ran back out. He must be saying it right now. So he did come back out apparently, and that's you know he's Stallone. Like I, he didn't not thank Ryan Coogler on purpose. You know, let's right. not get too upset. But no, but I mean, if there's one thing Twitter is good for these days, it's outrage uh, and yeah, nothing. Just um, yeah. <laughs> It did lead to a fantastic old man Twitter exchange today between Sam Jackson mm-hmm. and S- Sylvester Stallone. Um, you should read that off for... Uh, yeah, for... well, if I can. And neither one of them knows how to use correct grammar. Yeah, um, Tim <laughs> sent this to me at, at one point today, and I and he goes, well, I don't even know what's happening, and I yeah. just said old people. <laughs> so, yeah. Sam, like, a day ago, Sam Sammy J goes... Um, Wait, wait, wait. Hashtag, wait, wait, wait. Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan, thanks for acting with me. Love Sly, but dot, dot, dot. So I assume he was saying, like, oh, you forgot about those yeah. two. Like, he was calling them out. It was a day later, too, which yeah. is weird. Sam is behind. Sam, Sam DVR'd the program. <laughs> then he goes, general consensus, dot, 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 caught up in the moment. I'm good with that, okay? Off camera, thanks. Works, exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Like, Sam, I, I, okay. Is he and, reviewing everybody's acceptance speeches? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and then Stallone does not reply to him, really. He just writes his own tweet today that says, Samuel Jackson is upset that I foolishly forgot to mention the brilliant Ryan Coogler and MB Jordan. He is right. I owe them everything. There is no punctuation in any of that tweet. <laughs> and, and he doesn't like at Sam Jackson in this. So he's just saying it out. And Sam yeah. finds it, apparently. And he goes, I love the performance, Sly. You killed it. I know you love those guys. <laughs> it was such a bizarre... Like, first of all, I don't think Sam was really that upset. Despite no. someone taking it that yeah. way, and then he apologized by doing what he does. It was wonderful. It made my day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Only other thing. <laughs> <laughs> only other thing I think I want to say about the Golden Globes. Uh, I love the fact that there are so many different um, non-studio, studio, non, non-network uh, backed mm-hmm. TV shows and projects. Three of five on the uh, dramas. I think on were. The, uh, yeah, so even like things like Beast of No Nation is up there for some awards, uh, which is Netflix produced. You got things like um, uh, Mozart in the Jungle one for Best Actor, which is an Amazon show. Um, there was a Hulu show on there. Yeah, I think Jason Bateman's Hulu show was up for something. Was Master of Jason None Bateman, Jason, was uh, Reitman. nominated. Master of None, like I, it's awesome. Also, Aziz had a great moment in the night too. Did you guys see that? Oh, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, he had the book that said, uh, he had Wait, a book that said, "Losing to Jeffrey Tambor with Dignity." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really Jeffrey good. Tambor was up for Transparent, which is also an Amazon yeah. show. So I'm glad that the non-network forces are starting to kill it and are becoming are bringing more competition into. It's awesome. Everybody's going to off their game, so... Who yeah. beat Ben Mendelsohn again? Because it's wrong. I'm <laughs> taking a look. Um, he was up for supporting actor. Mm-hmm. In a mini Oh, I think, I think it was Christian Slater, actually. Oh, it was. You're right. Yeah. It was Slater, yeah. Yeah, Christian, Christian Slater won for Mr. Robot. He's good on that. I watched the first episode, or first episode or two, and it's totally up my alley. I just haven't yeah, I gotten back say, to yeah. it yet. Yeah. So everybody who wrote in, and Tim, and everybody in the world who was like, Alex, watch the show, you were totally right. Is it funny that the the what's the lead guy's name Rami Malek? Yeah, it's funny that like the thing I know him most for is a video until game. Dawn. Is until yeah. dawn. Yeah. yeah. That, no. Yeah. I see him. I'm like I know him. Need for Speed as well. Yeah. Need for Speed for me. Very true. We're in it. We're uh, Christian Slater and Sylvester Stallone won awards for acting. That's wrestling. awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. What years? <laughs> Talk about things getting overturned, like or, or you know a departure from the the normal. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty weird. Yeah. I think it's cool. I like. 
I like seeing actors have like like a renaissance. You know what I mean? Like yeah. have that performance that like people go, man, he's he's still got it. Even like like Spader has been very active lately. He's got the show on NBC or whatever, and, and then he did Ultron. So I mean, it's cool to see those guys. Like I don't know, getting getting some work. Some of the old eighties dudes. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't think there are right. any other outrageous like. Wins over other people. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Sam Smith so. won for that. Ball. Oh God! Oh, yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> that's pretty outrageous. Um, that's a that's a bad. Ca- I, I do want to thank you, Willie. Um, that's a terrible song. Uh, it's not very good. It's really um, bad. That is not a great category to begin with this year. Uh, well, yeah, but- comp- competition for Spectre writings on the wall by Sam Smith. Love me like you do from Fifty Shades of Grey. See you again from Fast and Furious Seven. That's your winner. Clear winner. Yeah, I think that's. The, yeah. I think that's an obvious. How would that not actually. win? That's actually on the radio all the time, like, and, I, like and I don't mind song. listening to it. No, and it fits the movie. Yeah, that's Un- the unlike writings on the wall. Unlike writings <laughs> doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah, that was that was maybe the most. That was my Twitter outrage. It was puzzling. All right, all right. What did Sam Jackson have to say about it? <laughs> Should tweet him and say, "Hey, Sam. <laughs> Sam, Sam Smith didn't thank Ryan Coogler. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. I remember that. There was one other one that was kind of like, really? No, I don't recall what it was. Um, a bunch of Fargo awards are up, and I really got to watch season two. I'm probably going to do that on the plane Wait, to Japan. Did, they, did was Fargo nominated for best? Kirsten series? was nominated for Far- Fargo. Was up for best? Uh, Limited series or motion picture made for television. Oh, okay. That's why um, I missed it. I was looking that? for... Uh, Wolf Hall. Yeah. Which is... I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, and then Kristen Dunst was up for actress in a limited series or motion picture. She lost to Lady Gaga. And <laughs> that, a lot of people online were like losing their minds about that. I'm like, how many people have actually watched that show, though? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I haven't. I'm not going to say, like, wow, Lady Gaga won. That's bullshit. Like... No, yeah, I've know. heard she's really good. I've it. heard she's yeah, really good, I so uh, yeah. I don't. I, don't I know. know. I have no qualms about it. Um, I might after I watch Fargo because I've heard really good things. About I've only Kristen seen the Dunst first season. I haven't got to the second. Yeah, I, and I, I could. I don't have any opinion on it right now. I'm just like, are people actually knowing what they're yelling about right now? Or? Oh no, generally no. no. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Patrick Wilson was also up for Fargo in that in the male version of that, the actor version of that uh, Oscar Isaac one for his. Uh, HBO Show Me a Hero, directed by the guy who wrote Crash. Paul Haggis. Paul Haggis. Yeah. So, and that was written. That thing was written by the dude who wrote The Wire, David. Oh, was it? David somebody. David yeah. Simon. David Simon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That anyway. is a yeah, Haggis and Simon and Isaac. Haggis and Simon together. What a mix. Oh, that's an angry. <laughs> a lot of white liberal rage there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going kind of long. Uh, the only other thing was um, I watch it. George Miller mentioned that he didn't want to direct another Mad Max movie because it's very hard. I don't blame him. So I'm not angry at him for it. Nick, Nick theorizes that that may just be he hasn't fully come down from that. I don't think it's true. Yet. I yeah. think he'll change his mind. I would think so too, but I, I remember reading a story a couple of days ago where he was like, "I want to do something smaller before another Mad Max." Happy so. three, baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he is, if he is serious, if he just kind of woke up through the day and was like, "You know what? No, I'm not going to do that again." I, I, they'll make another one. They'll just put <laughs> someone else in the, yeah. in the driver's seat, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. And, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> he, 
he'll he'll probably stay on board in some capacity. He'll yeah. probably be in the story and that sort of thing. And I wouldn't blame him for it either. The way that the tortured production that Fury Road was. Yeah, he's not. A, I mean, he's not a spring chicken either. You like it, that that takes its toll on a young man having to do something like that. You know what I mean? I mean, he's an amazing human being that he can accomplish what he accomplished. But like, I can't, I I won't be angry if he sticks to his guns. I just can't do it anymore. I don't want to fly to Australia multiple times in a year, let alone somebody who's you know. I'd rather we get like. You know, twenty more years of George Miller movies than like two, just so we can get another Mad Max because <laughs> yeah. he kills himself over making another one. So, they give me all the happy feats and the babes, all of them. I want Babe Pig in space. <laughs> George Miller's next. Let's do it. It worked for Guardians of the Galaxy with the raccoon, so I say we do Babe I'd Pig be up in to space. Revisit babe, right? Babe. Put a little like, cute little astronaut helmet on him and oh, launch him out. <laughs> I wasn't all in on the space concept. Come on, Tim. <laughs> Willie will get you there. It's like space cowboys, but with like but the with barn the, animals. But with babes, yeah. It can be space cowboys. <laughs> space you have farm cowboys, animals. exactly. Yes. Thank you. And so you got like a cow and a pig, and maybe like uh, like a, a duck yeah. or something, you know. And you send them out to space for some reason, and you know. Can we get Gabriel Byrne to return as the voice of Rex the dog? Why not? <laughs> Isn't he the? I think it is Gabriel Byrne. I'm that sounds sure. right. That sounds right. Yeah. He has to go out on a second shuttle that's going to rescue, like a rescue attempt. It's like the Martian kind of, but with the, with the barn animals. <laughs> and Babe's left alone, and he's like, I'm going to science the shit out of this. Uh, according to IMDb, Hugo Weaving. <laughs> uh, Hugh, uh, Hugo was Weaving close. was the voice of Rex in, in the first Babe. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was Gabriel Byrne. He must voice an animal in another movie. Was he an Animal Farm, the TNT version Maybe. that I watched in high school? <laughs> or Charlotte's Web. Yeah. Are we looking? What are we looking at now? I was, I was, are you looking at? Well, no, I was looking oh. at Babe Pig in the City to see if he ended up in that one. Game. Is Gabriel Byrne in Virus? No, no, I don't think so. No, there's a Sutherland there's and a Baldwin. Baldwin. One of those. One of each of those. Take your pick. <laughs> Not Alec. And Jimmy Lee Curtis. Yeah. That's a sweet movie. I kind of like Virus. That's a super grisly movie. It's gross. It yeah, is. they made action figures of Virus. Oh, they were, my they God. They were at Toys R Us. <laughs> I was like, what? I don't think I've ever seen Virus. That's a hard I, R. I, I'll, let you, I'll let you borrow Who's one of these in Virus? Days. I mean, Sigourney Billy Weaver. Jimmy Lee Curtis. No, other, other Scream Queen. Oh, okay. Uh, Alec Baldwin, Sigourney Sons. Weaver, and... Ernie Hudson is not in this. No. Okay. He's what? in Leviathan, though. Okay. <laughs> Now we got we got a real conversation going on. Another now. horror at sea. Um, you should see Sub, Virus, yeah. Tim. You would dig it. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's one. That's one of the movies that's on that list of like. My dad put it on and was like, "You guys are old enough to watch this, I think." And then we were partway through the movie, and he's like, "No, I made a mistake, but we're just gonna forge ahead and finish this one." It's rough. Oh, it's Billy Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. Billy Baldwin. Yeah. Yep. What did I say, William Baldwin? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I honored him with his full and the sun. full name. The sun yeah, the sun. Yeah, it's Don. I, it was one of the movies I bought. I bought it on DVD from um, Thomas Video when they were closing. I was nice. like, I want to get Virus. Yeah. Gabriel Burns in Ghost Ship. Was that the voice you were thinking of? No. Uh, he's the, he is the ghost ship. He is the, ship. the opening of that movie is so sweet, though. It's like, it's like uh, Super 8. He's the face of the ghost ship. They just, <laughs> for no reason. This yeah. ship was based on Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, nautical looking. Boy. Wow. <laughs> well, now that we're that far off topic. Hell yeah. Here's our review of The Revenant <laughs> by Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, a Golden Globe winning Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, Don- Donald Gleason. 
and uh, Will some Poulter. Will Poulter. Will Poulter. Will Poulter. Um, the IMDb synopsis for this movie says, A frontiersman on a fur trading expedition in the 1820s fights for survival after being mauled by a bear and left for dead by members of his own hunting team. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is based on real-life events, as there's a man named Hugh Glass who uh, survived some of the events in this film. Yeah, my uncle's a huge Hugh Glass fan, Is he? by the way. I had no idea. That's it was awesome. like Christmas Eve dinner, and he's like, I want to see The Revenant. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I just knowing my uncle, I'm like, huh? Really? Like, you want to he's like, well, it's one of my favorite books, The Revenant. Yeah. All right. I just, awesome. he blew my mind. He's like, I don't know how factual they're going to be, but but I'm pretty excited for it. And he told me, like, give me all these beautiful stories that he regaled me about the, the history of Hugh Glass. It was really cool. Anyway, sorry. The real story is pretty amazing. I mean, yeah. It's- Miraculous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, I think in terms of in your E2, we talked about Birdman last year. Birdman? Uh, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe. We talked about it the year it came out. We did. Yeah. Whenever that was. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to start here. What, what, did, what did everybody think of The Revenant? Uh, up there for Oscar Buzz won Best Picture... Best drama at uh, Golden Globes. Inuritu got the director, uh, golden director of a drama, Golden Globe. <laughs> the go- he's words, the golden director words, of dramas. <laughs> <laughs> words, a new words, award. Words. <laughs> but uh, they yeah. cast him in gold. Willie, you were going to talk. Uh, yeah, no. Um, what are your words? Um, <laughs> um, no. The Revenant is very, very beautiful to to look at um but i didn't find myself feeling any sort of connection with anything that was going on i felt very detached from the experience okay and i can't put my finger quite on why that is i don't know if it's i don't think it's the performances because i think i i I mean i enjoyed everybody for the most part in the movie Mm -hmm. um don't think it's the story because the story is very captivating. I think it's a very interesting story of sur- survival, but um, there's something here that's not hitting with me, and I, I'll get more into it in spoilers because I think I know what it is. But okay. I'm curious to see if you guys feel similar similarly, and if you um, have similar reasons for why you feel that way. All right, Tim, what do you think of the Revenant? Yeah, probably the same boat. It, it's weird. I like. It's a really, really beautiful revenge story, and I feel like I should like that more, and I just... Ne- it's... Uh, the thing I kept thinking about, it, it's it's an NBA All-Star game, where every single shot is like a slam dunk or a three-pointer all the time, but you don't really care who wins, or at least I didn't. I like I, I, But I like looking at it, and I think parts where I, where I went, whoa, that was really cool, but I think... I've only seen two other, two of his other movies. I've seen 21 Grams and I've seen Babel. And I kind of feel the same way about those. I, I'm kind of, just kind of, eh, it's good. Like, I, I, I get I get it. Um, but it, I think because it's so good technically, in a weird way, that's what keeps me at bay with it. Because that camera is always moving around and it's the greatest shot you've ever seen. And I, I, the whole time I'm just sitting here going like, oh, this is, this is a beautiful, beautiful picture. This is a beautiful movie. Like I, it's gorgeous. Um, but then I don't, I don't get sucked into the story because I'm just admiring the, the artwork in front of me. You know what I mean? Um, I, and I, that's kind of how I felt the entire time. Um, I, 
wish it was uh, Tom Hardy's the best part of this, and I I wish Tom Hardy was on all the time. <laughs> He's the best actor. Just in general. It's just in general because <laughs> I watch. I finally watched Warrior this weekend. Too. Oh, and, and I went, oh, Tom Hardy. Okay. I don't, How good I, is that? Yeah, and he t- he does a, a funny voice in this one too. I love when Tom Hardy does funny voices. <laughs> Did you ever watch Lawless? Lawless? Yeah, I went saw Lawless with Willie. I didn't. I don't okay. think I. Um, Outlaws. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Did I catch you off guard by saying the correct Lawless, name? Yes. Yeah, I don't say that. <laughs> he does an amazing. Amazing voice on Lawless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. When he speaks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm mixed average. like Or a mixed average. Mixed positive is what I meant to say. Okay. So. All right. Uh, Tim, that basketball analogy is why you're the MVP of the Midwest. <laughs> oh, that was nice, too. <laughs> Ooh, you're the real MVP. <laughs> Nick, what did you think of The Revenant? Yeah, Tim, that's. That's the single best review I've heard of The Revenant so far. Um, that's great. It's hard to follow that. Um, <laughs> the Revenant is it's in, it's it's incredible, but I I don't think it's a great movie. Like I'm kind of I kind of agree with you guys. It's and again like your your point Tim about you're you're so busy taking it all in that you you kind of forget what you're watching. Uh, and it's it's really strange. I have to see it again, like which is not how I felt as soon as the movie ended, where I was like, "Oh, I've had to pee for an hour and a half," <laughs> which is very true. And why I do have why I do have to see it again because I had my own tale of survival going on in the theater. <laughs> I was like, I do not want to get up right now because I can't miss anything. But I have to pee so bad. my bladder is at stake here. Oh, dude, it, it was rough. And uh, so your bladder was the bear, and you were Leo. The bladder was more like the winter. Like, yeah, I just endured okay. it. The, the bladder whole time. was real. Yeah. <laughs> um, it and it's tough because I it felt the the movie felt so real to me. I was very, I, I completely forgot I was watching Leonardo DiCaprio. I I forgot I, I was completely sucked in. It, I, like I fell under the spell of it for sure. And but I didn't really feel that invested most of the time. I was kind of like. I would remember I was in the theater, but it was a very strange experience. I haven't haven't watched a movie in the theater and felt that way maybe ever. It was really strange. I was constantly flitting in between being really involved in this story and in and, and this world and then like looking at the back of the guy's head in front of me and wondering like, man, does he have to pee too? <laughs> like it was very strange. I was just like it was it was like this weird Maybe we can go together or? like portal from like sliders and i was just going back and forth between <laughs> worlds it was very it was a very surreal experience and uh and, and, and thankfully it was not as malicky as it looks because then it, my my state of mind would have been even stranger i probably would have like had a seizure because my brain is like on this new level of consciousness like that time i saw the tree of life in the theater where the air conditioning was broken <laughs> oh my god yeah see it's like a, it's like a native american sweat lodge you're, you're having it was vision quest yes exactly <laughs> yeah yeah that's unbelievable. How have you never told me about that? It was at the main art, and That's the, they, had a, they had a sign on the cash register that said, the air conditioning is broken in the theater. We are showing the Tree of Life. There will be no refunds. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got to see the fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I sat down and watched the movie, and oh, my God. Were you by yourself? Uh, I think Brittany was there. Oh, but it was, man. oh, God, it was... <laughs> 
I would in my in my mind the perfect version of this is you are in the absolute it's just me. You are in the centermost seat at the very like sitting Indian style. Yeah, like. yeah. You are at the centermost point of of the theater and and the universe by by association. It was, uh, it was quite an experience. That's the oh, way I felt man. during this. Not quite that extreme, but and there's so much water in this movie rushing all the time that I was sitting there just like going, oh man. But um. Enough about all that. The actual movie, <laughs> the, and that's the other thing too. Is is uh, you know I talked to a couple other people that haven't seen it yet, and they said, "So how's DiCaprio? Does he get the Oscar?" I'm like, honestly, honestly, he's not acting in this movie. He we are seeing sheer natural human reaction to filming in this environment. Yeah. I was like, Tom Hardy is the best actor in this movie because he actually has a character mm-hmm. who is like the worst, <laughs> <laughs> but fun to watch in a really yeah. gross way. But no, the, DiCaprio is very, very good. I mean, the when <clears throat> I think when you're taking acting into consideration in this, you have to think not only just about what the character is saying, which isn't much in this movie, and doing, which is a lot. But, like, what the actor went through and what the process was. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis does not always win the Oscars for his performances simply because his character is very compelling and feels very authentic, but because of the, the, the nature of how he approaches acting and the means that he goes to in order to achieve this performance. And I think DiCaprio, does he deserve the Oscar? Probably. Depends I don't, on who else is in there. Yeah, I don't really know. Yeah. And it's tough because he'll pro- all these everyone great wins Oscars for things they don't deserve it for when they should have already had it three times over. So yeah, yeah. he'll probably win it. Yeah. Yeah. But he, 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 Wolf Wall he is very good, and his uh, yeah, exactly. He's he is very good, and his his everything felt very real. All of his wounds and his like his his ability to try to try to re like rise again and become a normal animated human being feels very real like i was like oh my god how is this guy gonna heal how's he gonna get out of the situation and you feel that whole process throughout the whole movie for sure so he is he is excellent and the music is cool when it's there uh the photography is obviously amazing the production of this movie is the dumbest thing i've ever read like it's no wonder people were quitting this movie left and right it is just reading about it is exhausting and it's uh This is one of those ones where we need a Blu-ray that has like it's just packed with special features. Yeah. Like how how you approach this. I mean, this makes this makes the hob making the Hobbit look easy. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But it's uh, it's definitely worth a watch for sure. The the bear attack scene is insane, really awesome. And there's a lot of other just really 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 intense moments. Not only because of how how well everything is is blocked and and acted and presented, but like Tim was saying, the way it's shot, it's very engrossing and these long unbroken shots of just conflict make you just feel like you're there it's uh it's pretty immersive as long as you don't have to pee like the worst (laughs) ever yeah so i kind of had some differing feelings in that i didn't necessarily think it was that immersive and i had a very interesting issue with it and to me it was a lot of the way that the um action was shot to me was so up close and and kind of unnatural from a bystander kind of point of view to me that a lot of the times it felt like I was watching Civil War reenactors. And and that kind of that's kind of what pulled me out of it, I think. Um but I do I a lot of the things that you guys a lot of the positives that you guys said I absolutely agree with. It's beautiful. The performances are fantastic. I never once doubt that Leonardo DiCaprio was hobbled in the ways that he was and just completely maimed because he 
he portrays that in such what I feel to be a re- realistic way that I, you know, it, it, it's very believable. But, um, you know, the other, the other thing that I find kind of disappointing about this movie is that I feel like, you know, maybe it's, it's hard coming off a movie like Birdman where I think there is a lot of subtext, but this movie felt very surface to me. And, you know, anytime that themes kind of get discussed, it's a little bit of a blunt instrument than like a precise tool, in my opinion. And we can kind of talk about that in, in spoiler Terry as well. But uh, I do think it's something that people should see if you're a fan of, of, of movies. If you're somebody who listens to a podcast about movies, I think it's an experience worth checking out. Um, but it it kind of fell short of being something amazing to me. And in terms of survival tales this year, I'd probably pick The Martian over The Revenant. Yeah, I would. But that's, you know, matter of taste, I think we could say. Just like all movies. So, uh, any quick thoughts before Spoiler Terry? No. All right, we will take a quick break and be right back in Spoiler Terry for the revenue. Here we are in Spoiler Terry for the Revenant. Uh, anybody have anything they want to start with? Yeah, I have a one good thing and one bad thing. Okay. That's that's all I got. Good thing, that bear attack scene's insane. Yeah. Um that was terrifying. It's it's it freaked me out because I've I've I'm weird like this and I don't want to go too far into it, but like I'm fascinated by like animal attacks for some reason. Like that fascinates me. The fact that like there's beasts out there that can like kill us. Yeah. Like, I've always found that terrifying and like weirdly beautiful at the same time. Very strange, but um, I know from my studies on the subject, <laughs> Grizzly Man, that he ha- well, I did watch. I, from my studies, by, stu- by studies, I mean watching Grizzly Man three or four times, <laughs> <laughs> and some YouTube videos of bears taking down deer. Um, that bear, um, like a lot of wild animals, t- typically don't just attack you and kill you. You're not dead in the first go. Like they thrash you around so you can't, so you're immobile, and then they kind of stand around and wait to make sure other predators aren't around, and then they go back to you for some more. Like that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. It's it, the moments in between the attack I think are what freak me out because it's like a ticking clock. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio. He knows enough, I think, about bears as a survivalist and and kind of a, a, a fur trapper or whatever mm-hmm. to to know how a bear operates. I would think, and so you assume that in his mind he's thinking, "I have only got like." 30 seconds before this bear is on me again. So I've got to get the knife or I've got to get the gun or I've got to get into this position. And I, th- I find that like, that's what scares me is the fact that it's like, if I was in that position, I'd probably be like, I'm fucking dead. That's that. Like, come on bear, let's do it. You know? <laughs> so that's, that freaks me out. The, it's the moments in between the attacks, the impending second attack and third attack that I'm like, Oh God. Like I almost, I'm, at that point I'm like, Leonardo just die. Like yeah. uh, you're f- bumming me out because you're like struggling. I don't know. That's terrifying to me. Very well done. That was presented real, very realistically, I guess. Very real. It, it's from what I understand. That's the way that that a bear will will attack. It doesn't. I mean, I, I guess it could kill a person in the first if it gets them in the right spot. It could, sure, but yeah. that's not yeah. necessarily the goal. The goal is to just you know yeah. immobilize. Yep. Um, Check on the cubs. Yeah, yeah. Come well, and, and had cubs too, so yeah. I wanted to make sure that yeah. Um, the thing I didn't like so much, and this needs to end in movies, um, right alongside the. Um, Villain gets caught on purpose 
and put into some sort of weird cell and talks to the hero. This needs to go right with that. And I think it started with Gladiator was when the trend began. I'm tired of Ghost Wives. I'm done with it. Get rid of it. I don't want to see it anymore. It's such a fucking trope at this point. It bums me out every time I see it. If you want to show me a relationship that's this crucial to a movie, if you want to show me the love between these two characters, um, yeah, I realize Leonardo DiCaprio's character is, is brokenhearted about his wife getting killed in front of him. Of course. Who wouldn't be? But you need to show me that relationship a little bit. Having her ghost show up and give ins- basically just say his name for inspiration or float around by him or show me like fucking postcard images with them embracing on a mountaintop, it's dumb. It's <laughs> dumb, it's cheap, and they need to stop doing that shit. Yeah. Show me the relationship. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. All right. Any rebuttals? <laughs> I disagree a little bit, but uh, it really didn't bother me okay. in the movie. But I, because I don't think we ever saw her when he was in a normal state of mind. It's always when he was either bleeding out or sick or at the very, very end of the movie. Hallucinating. Which yeah. I thought was really... I, I really liked that last bit. I don't know about the breaking the fourth wall so much, but um, the the final bit of her, I was kind of like, ooh. So we left to think, like, either is she leading him to death or is she saying, like, get your ass up, like, keep going. It was mm. kind of... I thought it was it was interesting. I think I get what you're saying and with some movies I would agree like show show the relationship but with this one if this movie had been any longer and they had gotten into like here was his wife's name and like that kind of thing I'd, I I would have tuned out for sure I would have been like I don't need, I don't need any more I think we kind of understand at this point I think it's okay too if you earn it as well if you give me a reason for ghost wife to be there like if you t- if he sits there and tells some heartbreaking story about how she died and we don't just see glimpses of it first or we understand that connection more than you want to give me ghost wife. Okay. I'll be more accepting of it, but it's not, it shouldn't be used as a tool to give you background information on a character. Cause it's sloppy. I, I personally, I think you could have removed the wife character completely. 110% is not necessary to this movie at all. And you make his son, if you want to have a guiding force that's coming from, from beyond, or he's loosening it, make it the son. I felt that relationship. I felt that connection. Make it the son. Like, yeah, I could agree with that. I don't think we need the wife. I think the wife, I, I'm not saying it needs, it like detracts from the movie, but I'm, yeah. it's, it's something I see in a lot of these kinds of movies, these epics where, you know, the, yeah. the, the lead hero's love has been taken from, and I'm a little tired of that. Like, so I think the son might have been another way to do that. We already have an emotional connection to the son. We feel for that relationship and what happens there. So that would be, you know. The only reason I think the wife is kind of important is because it, he has the sympathy for that girl that he finds. And that's you know probably it. True, the true. Reason. That's true. That's t- I I totally get what you're saying. Like you could have cut cut some of that subplot and just make it. Yeah, I I want to see it again though because I really want to know when he's seeing the wife now because I think it was always when he was in like an altered state of consciousness via you know whatever being knocked in the head or or mauled by bear <laughs> sort of thing. It didn't seem like it was quite that often, but he he had a big old weird hallucination right in the middle there that was really interesting. The meteor, and then Tom Hardy as the soldier that was burning the, burning the. Do you think mm-hmm. that was real? You think Tom Hardy was involved? Like Fitzgerald was involved somehow, or do you think that was just him understanding this this great face revenge bleeding into this his... faceless evil that yeah. took his wife mm-hmm. and now now has yeah. a face? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because they talked about. Fitzgerald's military past and him wanting to re reenlist, and I was like, ooh, interesting. Could be, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe um, not. Probably not. Um, there was one one 
scene in this movie that was the coolest and that I just loved and I wanted more of and I think it would have made the movie a lot better. The part where he and the Pawnee guy are catching snowflakes on their tongue yeah. is the best part of the movie. And it's, <laughs> the only, it's the only thing that I could really connect to, I think. It was like this moment of... Here's the thing. like it, The movie is so dark and so oppressive with how nasty it is. It's almost like funny. It's almost like a funnier die. <laughs> like in, in Seinfeld, they had the episode where... Uh, Kramer's going through the video store and he goes to like the drama section and he picks up a movie and he goes, the pain and the yearning. And then Elaine flips it over and goes, an old woman experiences pain and yearning is the premise. <laughs> and she goes, two hours and 25 minutes. And Kramer goes, well, that's a lot of yearning. <laughs> like that. It's so funny. It's like clearly a joke, like a, almost like a, almost like a parody of like, this is what like heavy art drama mood and that the movie almost is kind of that way where i'm like oh my god like it's enough and i understand that life in the early 1800s was shit Mm -hmm. and and it was hard and nothing came easy and i get that and i applaud the movie for being so authentic and making me like really glad when i walked outside in a five degree wind chill in michigan i was like i'm about to get in my heated ass car (laughs) heated ass seats to heat my ass and then go to the grocery store, which is what I did immediately afterward, and bought a bunch of food, and then went home and made it, and slept in my bed, and felt great. And this uh, this movie was on my mind the whole rest of the night because I was like, "Man, oh my, how are we not extinct? Like, how have we made it this far? It's incredible." Because shit, people back then in the 1800s were going, "Man, those poor fuckers in the 1600s, they had it real hard." <laughs> and, and look what they had to deal with. Yeah. And so the movie does such a great job of replicating that that feel it feel like i said that's part of the the authenticity i was watching it just going like oh my god these guys have it so bad but man i remember what i was saying when i got none of that topic but it it was the the snowflake scene was good though because it it had this moment of like a little bit of uplifting it was like finally a human moment like two two people connecting and the movie didn't need to go like full like dances with wolves or anything i didn't need to have him like because obviously that happened in his past where he he got along with with native people and and made a life with them. Mm-hmm. It was really cool to see two people like that, just who are in this horrible circumstance, just kind of have a moment to go like, this is fun. Like yeah. this is simple. And we kind of have a moment where we can both laugh. Like that's probably the only laugh in the movie. That's not like drunk guys at the fort. And like DiCaprio smiles and it looks so shocking in that moment. I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, like this is what an interesting scene this is. And then the poor guy gets hung like yeah. right around the corner. And it was just really, really brutal. I was like, man, there you go. You just got to do it again. Yeah. Got to be brutal. That was, I think, his interactions with the Pawnee guy was probably, in total, my favorite part of the movie. But yeah, yeah it was really cool, and I liked. Uh, I mean, there there were a lot of great things about the movie. The whole opening ten, fifteen minutes, whatever that is, is awesome, and yeah. so mm-hmm. so good, and so intense. Super well. I like, yeah. It's well executed. Um, I want to touch on one thing. I like the gore. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say. I like the gore. I thought it was really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was good. Um, I want to touch on another thing. I don't think I like Dom Hall Gleason. Mm. Um, and it's weird because I really liked him in Ex Machina. Like, yeah. I thought he was really good in it. And then the last two movies, like, I, th- when you were talking about, like, Civil War re- reenactors, like, I look at Dom Hall Gleason and I go, oh wow! Like that, those were the parts where I went, oh cool! Like a bunch of film students went out and shot this movie over the weekend and played dress up because that's what Dom Hall Gleason looks like. Yeah, and that and it, it's just that pulled me out of the movie. It, 
it just felt inauthentic to me. And I don't know why I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe I can. I don't know. Um, hmm. I think you like Donald Gleason. I think it's just I haven't. I think he's been miscast in two movies in a row in Star Wars and this. I do. I think in Star Wars he was miscast as being the same character as the bad guy and as Kylo Ren, and in this one he's been miscast completely. Um, So I don't. I I I meant that a little bit dickish. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, But then, uh, what did I like? It was nice. To look at um i didn't like and i do like i do like that it was I, the revenge story part of it is good it's the there was a part in the movie where i in i had fallen out by about two hours in and i was sitting there going like i don't know what leo dicaprio is go, like where he's going right now like i don't know why he's doing this like and then i went oh revenge i guess um so it, I just wish that its themes weren't as half-baked as they are. The revenge theme yeah. is there kind of, but I never – it's just – it's revenge. And then at the end they go, well, revenge is never going to get you what you want. And I go, okay. <laughs> like, thanks, thanks for that. Like, where did this come from? Thanks for – and then he – It did, got him this far. Did I misread this? He pulls the uh, I don't have to kill you, but I'm not going to save you Batman thing yes, at the end, right? Yeah. So, I mean, all right. And then <laughs> – and that, and that's what it, it it feels like. This is stuff that's been explored quicker in and better in superhero movies and like B action movies. This idea of revenge to me, like I went, oh, okay, that makes more sense. So it's kind of thrown in at the end. And then there's the stuff with the uh, Pawnee that they're pushing now as making this an important film. Uh, have you caught on to the PR spin? They're like, mm. oh, this is all about indigenous people, guys. Come on. <laughs> and I'm like, no, when did this come in? I mean, well, <laughs> and that's, that's the thing is that that's some of the really stupid, like on the nose stuff that I was talking about yeah. in terms of the, well, we stole everything from them or they're always stealing our shit. That comes from both sides. It's kind of like, these so, are just throwaway lines that yeah. it's like. I, so I think in that people talking about current events at that time, like I don't, <laughs> I don't know how that usually works. So I think it, most of my, it's weird. I, I think a lot of my problems come at a script level with this movie, but it's weird because it's a story that I should like and I have liked more in the past, and I'm like really would like to read the book because I think the book is probably fascinating, and I just, and it's weird. I don't know. I don't think. He killed anybody nope. in real life. Nope. I don't even know if he was necessarily driven by revenge. No, he got he he wanted to kill yeah, but uh, he, Tom Hardy's character. But I, from what I understand, from what my uncle had told me, um, and Uncle Mike, if you're listening and I'm butchering this, please, you know, write please, in, write back in. at MidwestFilmers.com. He's not. Um, uh, he made it as far as getting to him. Yeah. To his physical location, that's I'm not doing it. Yeah, like I'm I'm over it. And I <laughs> and I kind of I wish that. But there, I don't think there was a son killed. Uh, that I believe that's a that's a fabrication. Okay. From what I understand, there was they they just they half buried him and left him there because they were shit scared and wanted yeah, to get out. Yeah, it was the same two dudes, and they said he didn't kill uh, Will Poulter's character because he was young. Yeah. Yeah, he said he, he forgave him because he was like a young man, but he went to kill Tom Hardy's any character, but he didn't because he reenlisted in the military, and it was like a. It was a like a uh, a felony to kill a member of. of was the that armed what it was? Okay. So it, yeah, it wasn't so much that he forgave. From what I understood, like, he was I just can't like, kill yeah. you. So <laughs> that's too bad. Yeah. Now that ending might have been a little underwhelming. Like, oh, he's in the army now. Fuck. 
Yeah, which <laughs> is fair. Roll. But I, I don't I don't necessarily feel like this ending is any better. Like you said, like I don't have to kill you, but I will float you over to somebody so, who will. I, I think just I, I, I don't of, think the, nat- the the Native American element to the ending there. Should have been. A, they should never have scalped Tom Hardy. It's dumb. He literally should have like beat him up, stabbed him, or whatever. Floated him out of the river, and basically like because he says something like, "I'm going to leave it up to God." Yeah. Well, he's doing the exact same thing to Tom Hardy that was done to him. Not, that fight was great. That I like. That oh, the finger like. chop. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. God, it comes out of nowhere. It's beautiful. <laughs> that was um, awesome. It was, every Tom Hardy's reaction was in keeping with every Tom Hardy character ever. So good. He just swears. Yeah. <laughs> it was like annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> um. So no, I think that if you want to have the moment where the the Native Americans approach Leo, and you're like, "Are they going to kill him or not?" And then they let him go because he helped the uh, the daughter. Um, if yeah. you have that moment, have it when he wanders away from the waters, and you know what I mean. Like, let Tom Hardy float down the river and leave that as kind of a now it's his chance to try and survive. Is he um, man enough to be? You know what I mean? Like, is he tough enough to pull it off? Well, you know? and that, that would not only like make Leo's decision not to kill him make more sense, mm-hmm. but even if it were that. He spares Tom Hardy, and then shortly after he gets spared by the Native Americans, that would be so the much more be meaningful more, yeah. than than just, you know. It's like the pay it forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to kill him. You kill him. Like, I, like what use is it? Like, I don't. It, to me, it, 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 it felt cheap. It kind of undermines... <laughs> It kind of undermines the Native American element and the revenge story almost. I'm like, neither one of them lands 100%. You know, I'm just like, oh, okay. I wonder if it was meant to be interpreted as some sort of sacrifice. Like, this guy's life for mine kind of thing. Like, are, Maybe. If that can tie into the kind of the some of the religion that was kind of dabbled into a little bit. Like, he basically offers Tom Hardy's life in, in lieu of his own. Like, maybe these guys will give me a pass. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did he win for Birdman, a director? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Okay. I was just curious. I yeah, I think he got director him. and film, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I hate to be that guy, but he should not have won director for this, I don't think. I think I, he should. For you sure. think so? I don't get... No, nobody should Nobody should beat Mad Max in anything. Um, <laughs> honestly, no. I mean, yeah, if it was going to be anyone else, that. it would absolutely be George Miller. I think That's, that was, I want, Rid- I want Ridley's George. probably going to get the Oscar, and again, it's only because he hasn't gotten one yet, and he deserved yeah. it so many Has more times. Has he not gotten one? No. Oh, okay. Has he really not? Man. Ever? Oh, he got one for Gladiator. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, Wait, I, did, he, the, did he that year? I know it won Best I'm Picture. I'm pretty sure he I will do that. I would double check. Um, I, George Miller, I think, for me, is the front runner. If, if Mad Max had not come out this year, I'd say Inaritu, definitely. I, I, because of the, the, like you were saying, the story behind the making of this movie, I think that is, is I don't know. But then you debate: is it is it like is it based on the final product? Is the award based on the final product or the fact that somebody survived directing it? You know what I mean? Like it's that's kind of tough. I don't know. And I think there's, uh, a director has to effectively tell a story, and I don't necessarily think he does here. Um, I think he he, he could win it for a prettiest looking movie, but I don't think he, cinematography. Oh, cinematography! cinematography yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I that, think this should. That's what yeah. he used to do, right? Yeah. So give him give him one of those, even though he didn't do it. Ridley uh, was was <laughs> nominated for best director for Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, and Black Hawk Down, and he, so he has not, not win clinched any of them. the uh, the prize yet. Yeah, give it. To See, him. it's tough. That's I don't know. I won't be angry if if Miller wins. I won't be angry if Ridley yeah, I'm wins. Yeah, I'm not gonna be angry. I want one of those two guys to win. If if it's Ridley, it's totally what Nick said. It's a legacy thing, it, but he yeah. deserves it. If it's um, 
Miller. If it's Miller, he wins because he worked on the thing for fucking like 18 years. Like Tom Hardy was 12 when he started shooting that movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, and look at the fucking final product. It's incredible. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think uh, it, it, in terms of merit, it definitely comes, to, or, or the product, it definitely comes down to either The Revenant or Mad Max. I would give it to Mad Max for sure. It's a better movie, certainly. And it's, it's, uh, it's a feat that it exists also. Mm-hmm. But I, I think The Revenant is no. No, uh, no slouch for sure. The fact that he tied something together that made any sense is pretty remarkable. Considering no, the, again all the production woes they had, and I, yeah, I mean, it's it was <laughs> reading a lot of that stuff. It was it's a hell of a thing that like nobody died. Yeah. Well, and especially my, DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah. This might not be valid either, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Inaritu's got like multiple nominees ahead of him in his career. I think. Yeah. I don't know about Ridley and and George Miller like that. That's why I, I guess for me as a fan, I just want to see one of those guys walk away with that. Well, it might not even matter to them. Ridley seemed kind of bored walking up and accepting his award. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he <laughs> he probably to, care, uh, also won last year, so that pretty much immediately disqualifies him. I don't think yeah. that director has ever won back to back. I know actors have, but yeah, like twice, right? Yeah, Merrill I think won a back to back. Hanks, Hanks maybe. Yeah, Hanks did in ninety four and ninety five. Forrest Gump and Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a wow! What a bang up job there. Maybe the Oscar should be like a lifetime achievement award sometime. Well, because I don't really. They have one of those too. <laughs> and that's the thing is, <laughs> I know, know they, I, I along mean, with cinematography, <laughs> I know they give one of those out. But I honestly, I like, I think it's, and I think I did. I mention the whole Sandra Bullock thing that I was talking that I talked about that on the podcast. She won for The Blind Side, which. It, I don't personally think was an Oscar-worthy performance. It was really good, but I don't think it was an Oscar-worthy performance. But she won for The Blind Side because... And she, I think she said it on stage, like, because people like her. Like, like we've been seeing her in movies for a long time, and generally people like Sandra Bullock, and she's done a lot of good stuff. It's She deserves to get some sort of recognition for it if you're going to... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, and that's kind of... That might even be the thing with Sly. Like, Sly's amazing in Creed, and I will defend that performance as being a contender... <laughs> as being a contender all, all the way through but but i think a lot of him winning any awards is going to be like sly look what you did for hollywood like you're amazing good job you know yeah. i don't know and i'm okay with that honestly yeah. because i don't know do we the crash came out the same year as like broke back and uh, i think munich was up that same year like a lot of movies that were better than it and it won and nobody remembers crash it's a, I mean, it's it's politics. Oscars yeah. are politics. Mm-hmm. The reason DiCaprio doesn't have a statue yet is because he doesn't play the game. He's tried really hard, though. Oh, my God. If DiCaprio and David O. Russell ever get together. <laughs> just, just them. That's not going to happen because David O. Russell doesn't work with other people anymore. It's just so. them in front of the camera going, give us an Oscar. I cannot. <laughs> crying. I cannot express enough how little I give a shit about Joy. No, I can't. By the way. David O. Russell was a guy I liked. Every trailer I watch, I, just, like, <laughs> I blinked at the trailer and went, Guys, remember when he made Three Kings? David O. Russell movie. (laughs) The movie. I never saw Three Kings. It's sweet. Yeah, Three Kings is good. Honestly, you should watch it. It doesn't really feel like a David O. Russell movie. It was when he was good. Yeah. When he stopped trying to get an Oscar every year. (laughs) When did that start? Was that... Um, It started... Was that I Heart Huckabees? Was that when it started? No. Because I don't... uh, Huckabees is too weird to win an Oscar. I would say around the the fighter. I think the The fighter is when it started. Fighter's the beginning. So we have our trilogy now of... Oh, no. Because he had... um, the quadrilogy. It's gonna be this a quadrilogy now. Yeah, because he had um, silver is. linings. Oh my god! Yeah, and American, and Hustle. American, American Hustle, Hustle. Yeah. and Joy. It's did like he, he belongs did he, in Has the he club. won for any of those? Has any of those won Best Picture? No. Silver linings. Best director. 
Silver Linings Playbook was the best picture. Was it? Golden Globes. I don't think it won an Oscar. Basically, what I'm saying is maybe <laughs> we should just we should just give it to David O. Russell so he stops trying just so hard. Movies. Like cut it out. Like then he'll fight for another one. Maybe he'll make a movie. I'm gonna do two back to back. Oh, you want you want Joy Silver, too? The only Oscar Silver Linings got was Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. Really, it wasn't Best Picture that year. It was nominated, but it did not win. What year was that? Thirteen. Uh, yes, twenty thirteen. Zero Dark Thirty. ZDT. Yeah, that won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Or no, Argo. 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 Argo won. Argo. Yeah. Argo beat Zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark yeah. Thirty was twenty twelve. Yeah, because that was the year that Chastain was snubbed for. Um, she got beat out by J- Jennifer Jennifer Lawrence, Lawrence I think. Twenty twelve. Oh no, twenty twelve was the artist. No, so twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. I'm sorry here. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty wasn't, yeah, so Daniel Day got Lincoln, Silver Linings was, yeah. So she, Jennifer Lawrence beat Jessica Chastain for Silver Linings Playbook, uh, Emmanuel Riva for Armor, Kevin Zane Wallace for Beasts of the Southern Wild, and Naomi Watts in The Impossible. Oh, that's right. That was, yeah. The girl from Beasts of the Southern Wild. Adorable. Adorable, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have uh, reached the end of our review of The Revenant. <laughs> It's Sorry. just as long and arduous as the case Oscar talk. Long and winding road. That's my yeah. That's my fault. I got a sidetracked. No, okay. I talked about space pigs for like five minutes. So. I started saying like Wikipedia Oscar winners so I could remember them. <laughs> <laughs> Feedback at MidwestFilmers.com. What's cinematography? <laughs> uh, write to us. Let us know what you think. The show, the things that we talk about. We're at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Can I throw in one real yep. quick? Um, if you're on, if you're a listener and you're on Letterboxd, add me, like be a friend with me because I want to see what everybody's watching. Like I think it's a, I don't like Facebook or I, I don't really Twitter's okay. What do you have to search for? Is it email? Um, I should my name should be in there. Okay. Yeah. Letterboxd. Letterboxd. D. It's it's basically just a film diary website. Two X's or one. One X. Letterboxd. Three X's. Three X's. Z. Yeah, and Triple it's basically X? it's just a. I just use it as a film diary because I watch movies. I think I'm gonna try to start doing. It's a, it's a fun. It's a decent way to keep track of movies, and you can follow other people and see what they're watching. And like I said, it, it's social media for movies. If you don't want to clutter up other people's yeah. timelines, or if you don't want to log on to is the track that is no, no, no. I Which created an account. I haven't started anything with it yet. So okay. uh, we'll see if that happens. But. Um, MidwestFilmers.com has all previous 160 plus bonus episodes with full show notes and time codes, so you can skip over the spoiler Terry. So go there to check out our previous episodes. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and uh, all kinds of other stuff. So go search for Midwest Filmers Podcast wherever there's a search box and you might find something. Um, Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Shop there. Part of your money will come to us. We'll make our show and network even better. Uh, the next couple of weeks look kind of weird. I think the plan at the moment is we want to do 13 hours, Benghazi story, Ben Michael Bay explosions. Ooh. Then we also want to do um, our top 10 of 2015 and our most anticipated of 2016. Those two will come out while I'm in Japan. So we're going to try and front load here. But anyway, that might change because of extraneous circumstances I don't know I'm not saying things anymore Kyle XY go watch a movie
This is like the pirate radio segment. <laughs> right? I know. He doesn't Don know. Cheadle. We secretly yeah. start recording. Was Don Cheadle on pirate radio? Alex. Guys, Alex doesn't know we're hijacking the podcast. He right? doesn't know. He's going to be so mad when he's editing it. <laughs> oh, my God. What do you guys want to talk about? I don't, what do we talk about? Star Wars. Steve James. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Alex's handwriting. <laughs> It looks like he wrote the Margian and yeah. then also the McAdams or the McAdam. That looks like it says the Kirk Mass <laughs> of under Youth's name. We're looking at a whiteboard. Like right a handwriting now. analyst would have would just go. Like he would go. This, arrest, this guy's a serial arrest this killer man. or a doctor. And then under <laughs> under Steve's black mass, it looks like a like treble clef lack mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. In slash heart <laughs> slash C. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. yeah bye. No and then Mockingjay squared under Tim's name. Yeah, that's that was my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I, I also like that. Yeah, he did the hateful eight and the the number. Yeah. Title yeah. like screform, scream four. Mm. <laughs> that's right. Screform. <laughs> screform. <laughs> I hate when they do that. With I don't. Well, I don't hate it, but it sometimes it's kind of like, come on. What are the other movies they've done it with? Um, do you remember any? Well, I can tell you one that didn't do it with that they should have was we've talked about this, the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah. that would be good. Um, they did not do it with any of the X Men, right? For some reason, I was thinking they did. No. They, now they're they're hard. for three, they could have gone like X Men Triple X, but you can't do that because Triple X is going to have a part three. Oh my God, Triple X Part Three. That's not about triple that. X. Triple X. Yeah, Triple X. Triple X. That'd be Triple X Thirty, I guess technically. <laughs> to wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when we had uh, Super Bowl 49, I think, was the one. Was that last year? Is this your yeah, Super Bowl this is 50? 50. Yeah. And it said Super Bowl XLIX. Yeah. And I just looked at it and was like, whatever, Roman numerals. But Gojo, while we were watching the Super Bowl, Gojo was like, Super Bowl's Licks. Like, just <laughs> pronounced it. And I said, it sounds like a Gillette product. Like, it sounds like a men's. The Gillette Zlicks. Like, Zlicks by, by Gillette. By Gillette. <laughs> So for the whole rest of the night, it was just Super Bowls licks brought to you by (laughs) Dorito Oreo, (laughs) yeah, that kind of thing. That's awesome. There is a um, a Vin Diesel impersonator in the adult film industry. You guys aware of this? No. Yeah, no. He kind of looks like Vin Diesel. What does he go by? Uh, I don't. I don't actually know, but I know that they had this when I worked at the video store. They had some of his films, and uh, the name of the film was "The Diesel Has Landed." Ooh. And the diesel has landed too. Yeah, apparently he's popular enough to produce a sequel. So I hope it's Vin Diesel spelled D E E Z E L. No, I think it was. I think it was pretty legit. But yeah, he's doesn't uh, um, he have a brother? What's his brother's name? Alex knows his brother. Von <laughs> Von Diesel. Von Diesel. Uh, yeah, what is it? Because Vin's real name is Vincent, right? Yeah, Vincent something, and then his brother Paul. Is it? I think Paul. it is Paul. Yeah, because yeah, he yeah. said he, his real brother and then his movie brother were both named Paul. Both named Paul. Yeah. Paul Diesel. <laughs> are, are you googling the diesel has landed right yeah, now? Yeah, it's on IMDb. Oh, there's a third one too. Oh, oh is there? Were you recording my it's the um... Vin Diesel adult entertainer? Yeah, the diesel has landed. Oh boy, I don't think he looks like looks like Pitbull. He does look like Pitbull. <laughs> it's Pitbull. Were you guys <laughs> were you guys discussing my um handwriting? My serial killer handwriting on yeah. air. Yeah, Check we talked Kuzinski about that. handwriting. Yeah. We talked about. Um, Vin Diesel, adult film, uh, Super Bowl's licks guy. Super, Super Bowl's, Bowl's licks. licks. Yep. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, on with the next, show. I think next up is going to be David Bowie. <sighs> <laughs>